right? And we often spend this time of year, these, uh, maybe you've already started thinking this, uh, today and tomorrow, thinking about uh, our lives, right? We, we start thinking about the year behind and we think about the year ahead. You know, how did we do in 2023? Um, what, what do we need to change in 24? Um, how, are we doing, how are we doing currently? You know, we, we think about resolutions, right? That's the big thing, New Year's resolutions. Some of you might have had conversations with others already. Hey, you got any New Year's resolutions this year? And so often people do. Maybe it's health-related. That's a big one. People decide, hey, I want to exercise. I want to, you know, target some weight loss, you know, set some goals, set some numbers. Or maybe they're wanting to add a new habit or, you know, stop an old habit, something like that. Um, perhaps it is uh, learning something new. Some people decide, hey, I want to learn a new language next year. I want, in 2024, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to decide I want to learn Spanish, whatever the case may be. Maybe you want to take a, a new course and, and learn a new skill. People have this time of year to consider what they want to change and they often take into account how they've been doing, right, in the year behind and how they want to do in the year ahead. It's days like today when we realize that life truly is just a breath. Life is pretty short, and even if one were to live 100 years old, really, when we consider the the span of human history. What is a hundred years? You know, among the, the centuries of existence, the things that we could read and write about in our history books. And so it makes us consider how to use our short lives because there are big questions to life, right? How should we live in the day-to-day? What kind of person should I be? What's my purpose? What's the point of life? So today, we're going to consider some of these things, and with that, we're going to turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. If you uh, have seen the, the sermon title um, online, we should have it up there. It's called Meaningless, and so if you're familiar with Ecclesiastes, you might know how often this word shows up in the book. And the funny thing is that Ecclesiastes does actually express a lot of hopelessness, If you've read it before, you've probably noticed just the grim nature of the text. Uh, For example, here's how it starts in verse 2 of chapter 1. It says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And throughout the book, we see a lot of that. So we start to wonder as we continue reading, uh, what in the world does this mean? And why does it sound this way? What are we supposed to conclude from all of this? And, and furthermore, most importantly, how are we going to apply it to our lives today? So we'll be taking a look at that, uh, going through several different passages. I'm reading out of the NIV version this morning. It'll often be up here on the screen behind me, but let's pray real quick before we dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we get to be together this morning Um, Lord, I pray that you would bless our time together and that you would open our eyes to the truth of your word. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's read that again, Ecclesiastes 1, starting in verse 2. 
Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. So that's a dismal way to begin. <laughs> and the same tone continues in further explanations throughout much of the book, uh, many of which we'll take a look at momentarily. Uh, meaningless, he says. Everything is meaningless. People work, and what do they gain? People are born, and people die. People are born, and people die. The sun keeps rising and setting over and over and over again. The wind blows this way and that way, from the south, from the north, from everywhere in the Dakotas. And water keeps going into the ocean, but the water cycle keeps the ocean from ever being full. It's an endless rhythm. Everything is exhausting. Our eyes see, but they never get enough of seeing. Our ears hear, but they never get enough of hearing. There's nothing truly new. What's been done is going to happen again. People forget the previous generations, and even our own sons and daughters are going to be forgotten by those who come after them. So do you get the sense of what's being said here? The writer's kind of saying, what's the point? The same things keep happening over and over again in this world. And people still die, people are still born, and then they die, and they're not remembered anymore. Nature has systems that just keep going day after day, week after week, year after year, and century after century. The sun that's shining today is the same sun that shone on Adam and Eve when they were created. The same sun that shone down on Jesus when he walked the earth. There is nothing new under it. Do you get the feeling of hopelessness that we've started in this? Of futility, uh, triviality? It's a lack of purpose and, and significance and meaning. So we're left asking, what are we supposed to make of this? Let's take a look at some further explanations of what, what is meaningless, because surely not everything can be meaningless, right? I mean, you and I are, are both here today, and I assume if you're here today, you've made it this far, there must be something in life that you feel is meaningful, that you have purpose for. You're, you're living life well, hopefully, for some reason, right? Well, writer of Ecclesiastes says everything's meaningless. So let's take a look at examples of what 
Ecclesiastes says is meaningless. And the first one might be a little surprising. Wisdom. Verse 17 says, Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. So if you've read Ecclesiastes before, perhaps you recognize the phrase, a chasing after the wind. And that's essentially just speaking of the futility of it all, right? No one can truly chase after the wind. And if you did, you wouldn't have much to show for it, right? Um, there's, there's not much of a point. It's a time-wasting activity. It's purposeless. Chasing after the wind. It's unattainable. So the writer is speaking of, himself, of applying himself to both wisdom and to folly, two extremes. And yet he concludes that both are virtually meaningless. Why? He says, for with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Has anyone sensed that in their lives? You identify at all with what he's saying, more wisdom equals more sorrow, more knowledge equals more grief. Um, for example, sometimes I think about, you know, if you're sitting in a library, let's say you're there for a project of some sort, and you're doing some research, and spending an hour at the library, right? So sitting on a table, reading the book that you, you need, whether it's, you know, some type of... Uh, thesaurus, encyclopedia, I mean, you name it, whatever type of academic material uh, you're studying. And just when you feel like you've learned something, you're, you're nearing the end of your hour at the library, you look up and, wow, you realize how many other books are around you. And you, you realize, goodness, I'm probably never going to know all of that. Um, there, there's so much knowledge there that I, I'm sure I won't know all of it. Or what about after decades of living, you feel like you've gained a lot of wisdom. That's good. Uh, but it also makes you sad, makes you ache with uh, the, the, just the awareness of human depravity and foolishness. Or maybe you, you're a scholar. You've devoted your life to being a well-informed person. You're, you're expertly knowledgeable. You are well-educated. But is there really ever an end to what you could learn, to what you could know? Even the scholar will die and be forgotten. Now, of course, this isn't to say that wisdom isn't better than foolishness. Ecclesiastes 2 says this, I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise have eyes in their heads while the fool walks in the darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Then I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, this too is meaningless. For the wise, like the fool, will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise too must die. So he says, even the pursuit of wisdom is meaningless. The end of the fool and the end of the wise are the same. Both die and are no more and are forgotten. Well, if wisdom is meaningless, what about something else? What about pleasure? The author describes this pursuit. Drinking wine, building houses, planting vineyards, making gardens and parks, 
and obtaining many possessions and riches. Just like the pursuit of wisdom and knowledge, uh, I'm sure you know that lots of people have tried this pursuit as well. People have tried the pursuit of pleasure. They've built empires of wealth and sought out whatever they wanted to have or whatever they wanted to do. And yet, despite all of this, we see in chapter 2 that nothing was gained under the sun. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. So all the things that he did that he thought would make him happy left him still wanting. It wasn't enough, and pleasure did not fulfill him. So it, too, therefore, was meaningless. Some people take the pleasure route in life. Maybe you know someone who uh, says, hey, life is a playground, you know, enjoy it. Life is a game, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's do our best, let's play this game, have fun while we're doing it. Or maybe you've gotten, gotten caught in that trap sometimes. They try to obtain as much wealth as they can and just have fun with it, right? Buy whatever they want, do whatever they want, go wherever they want. And yet people who have tried this throughout history, and we can, we can look up you know, several famous figures who have earned a, a lot of money and been able to do a lot of things and buy a lot of stuff, and they tell us that when it's all said and done and the end has come, that it wasn't the point, that that wasn't it. It wasn't really worth it. It, too, was meaningless. It was a chasing after the wind. Okay. So what about work? Some people devote their lives to their careers. Um, some, you know, uh, are so devoted that uh, they get called workaholics. That's, that's all that they do, right? They're just devoted to their career, to their work. And let's read what Ecclesiastes has to say about that. Chapter 2, starting in verse 18. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This, too, is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not rest. This, too, is meaningless. So he's saying even if a person does well, and they exercise wisdom, and they work hard in life, and they gain much because they deserve it, they've worked for it, uh, to what point is it? Everyone dies, and they can't take anything with them to the grave. It's just going to be used up before they die, or someone else is going to use it up after they die. And who knows how they will use it, right? He's saying, hey, I'll be long gone, and it's all going to be left to someone else, I'm not even sure if they're going to use it wisely or foolishly. Um, I saw part of a movie last week in which was a father who had just one child. And 
this child, now an adult and living on his own, went off to the big city to pursue his dreams, get the career that he wanted. Um, the father lived on the opposite side of the country. I guess his son was, you know, antsy to get out of the house and, and start his own life. Um, but his father had actually been really successful. He had a, a chain of businesses and uh, some stores that he owned and operated throughout his career. But the father is now retired and enjoying a lavish lifestyle. Well, one time the son came home for a visit and the father said, Look, um, I'm, you know, I'm nearing the end of my life. I'm retired. I'm in, enjoying things. But come to realize that it, it's, it's not much fun if there's no one to leave all this to. In other words, it's not much of a point. The problem was that the son didn't want any of it. He was interested in something else. He didn't want those stores, that business. He was interested in pursuing something else, his own career. So the father, after he'd lived most of his life, was starting to realize the futility of all of his work. And he had gained much wealth, and he'd been able to, able to retire very comfortably to live a great lifestyle that he could enjoy with his wife. But now that he's nearing the end, to what point was it all? He's starting to realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm, okay, I've lived, you know, 60, 70, 75, 80 years, and, and there's, I'm, I mean, I got all this, but that wasn't it, apparently. I'm, I mean, I'd like to leave it to my son, at least, but he doesn't even want it. What was the point? He's going to have to sell it or leave it in the hands of someone entirely different, and who knows what decisions they're going to make. So still the sun rises, still the sun sets. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Or if we pinpointed some of the things that we've been talking about, we've been talking a lot about riches, right? Gaining wealth, possessions, being able to do stuff with it. Ecclesiastes says more about that in Ecclesiastes 5. It says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. So sure, perhaps you've amassed lots of money. Maybe one has uh, worked hard, gained a lot, and uh, really it's, you know, all things considered, not that much. It's, it's just enough to, you know, live comfortably. Um, but it makes us consider here what truly is enough, and does any of it even last? Um, Similar thing, you know, the same, the same end comes to all. You can't take any of it with you to the grave. Furthermore, it's not like, you know, despite all this futility, all the meaninglessness of it, you'd think we'd at least get to enjoy some justice in this world and some good, but turns out there's not even an abundance of that. Countlessly unfair things occur and have occurred throughout history, ranging from grievous evils to foolish decisions in a day-to-day -day life. Ecclesiastes 8 says, There is something else meaningless that occurs on earth 
the righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. This too, I say, is meaningless. Or in chapter 10, fools are put in many high positions while the rich occupy the low ones. Things can be so backwards in life. Have you noticed that? Evil is called good. Good is called evil. Fools are put in positions of power while those who deserve to be in the high positions are left in trivial roles. Um, What's right is hidden. What's wrong is exalted. The commonly used phrase is that, hey, life isn't fair, you know, and yeah, it's not a lot of times. Sometimes it isn't, and even, even if everything were meaningless, one would think, maybe, would hope we could at least enjoy for things to be good and right, but it's not that way on the earth. Sure, there, there's a measure of justice that's given out throughout the world with, you know, governments and varying degrees of goodness and the laws that they have. But so often, despite that, there's even things that supersede it, right? Power. People love power more than they love justice. People love money more than they love justice. And it corrupts things. Things get messed up, broken. Things are backwards, twisted. There's injustice and a lot of it. Meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. So what are we left with in the remainder of Ecclesiastes? The writers covered a lot of the common pursuits of life, things that are supposed to bring meaning, things that millions of people have tried throughout history, right? And there's been billions upon billions that have lived and have died. And yet we see the futile nature of them all. Wisdom is meaningless. Pleasure is meaningless. Work is meaningless. Riches are meaningless. Ecclesiastes 9.3. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live, and afterward they join the dead. So everybody dies. It's a theme that we've seen throughout this book already, right? Even in the few verses that we've read, death is the great equalizer. No one can prevent dying. The one who's lived well and the one who has wasted years of life, both of them die. And yet, towards the end of the book, we start to see some glimmers of hope. Although life is considerably meaningless, as we've seen from all these examples, we're still left with options. So let's take a look at some of those. Are you ready? Um, Throughout the book, uh, we've seen all these statements made about the meaningless nature of these pursuits in life, the the futility of life, to what point is it all, there's... There's nothing that's really worth it here. And yet we see a recurring theme um, throughout several of each of these points. So if we were to read, you know, the full chapter from each of these passages, we'd often see passages like this in Ecclesiastes 2, 24 through 25. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? There's several more passages, and they all talk about enjoying the gifts that God gives us in life. 
Let's read more of them in chapter 3, verse 12. He says, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. Elsewhere it says, This is what I have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. Chapter 7, when times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this, God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, no one can discover anything about their future. Or finally, in chapter 8, he says, So I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. So as we start to wrap things up after all that this morning, point number one is to enjoy the gifts that God has given you. Enjoy the blessings of God. Enjoy the years that he's given you on this earth. When times are good, be happy. Enjoy the gifts that God's given you. Although there is much futility in life, we are indeed to enjoy the goodness of God's blessings toward us. Although the meaningless nature of of so many things pervades life uh, of our day-to-day on the earth, we can still enjoy the things that God has set before us to enjoy. We're supposed to enjoy them. God's given us many things to enjoy, so let's enjoy them. God gives us days to live on this earth, so let's enjoy those days that he's given to us. Because here's the thing, there's no sense in wasting it. No one, you know, when you're, when you're a kid, maybe and you ate your broccoli at the dinner table. Well, why do your parents want you to eat it? Because it's good for you, and it's not good to waste food, right? There's no sense in wasting good food. You don't want to just throw it away. Enjoy the gifts that God's given you. There's no sense in letting it go to waste and, and deliberately choosing to not enjoy them. That would be silly. God is a generous giver, and he has given us countless things that we are supposed to enjoy in life. So don't waste them is uh, the message of that. You, you might as well enjoy the things in life that are from God to be enjoyed. And so when you work, it says find satisfaction in it. Enjoy the gifts that God has given you. Enjoy the life that God has given you. Um, I'll invite the keys to come up and play at this time as we head towards further closing. Um, But that's point number one here. Enjoy the gifts. Enjoy the life. Enjoy, enjoy what God has given you to enjoy. We're supposed to enjoy them. So we might as well enjoy it. Let's not waste it. Point number two um, is very significant. And we're going to go to the very end of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. It says, now all has been heard. 
Here is the conclusion of the matter. After all of this, read meaningless, 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 a chasing after the wind, the sun rises, the sun sets, people are born, people die, no one can take anything with them to the grave. What's the point? Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So point number two this morning is to fear God and keep his commandments. And actually, this is what will bring meaning to life. After all that, when we've read that everything is meaningless, I mean, the first parts of Ecclesiastes almost sound like they're contrary to other things in the Bible. Maybe you've wondered, how can everything actually be meaningless? It doesn't really sound like something that I would find in the Bible. And especially, what, what was that about wisdom? The very, very first thing here that says pursuit of wisdom and madness and folly, that, that's purposeless as well. How can that be a chasing after the wind? Here's the thing. Ecclesiastes is right. It's not an untrue statement. Life is futile and meaningless. But only if it's apart from God. Fearing God, of course, doesn't mean to be frightened, but it means to revere Him. Honor Him. Keep His commandments, right? Honor God. Uh, This matters. This does have meaning. Ecclesiastes is right. Without God, there is no hope. Without God, there's triviality. It's futility. Life is vanity. It's meaningless. Now, what the writers of Ecclesiastes didn't know is just how Jesus would come as a human and redeem the meaningless. Jesus came to earth and he experienced all of that. He experienced the futility of life for himself. We just celebrated Christmas when he was born as a baby and we, we know fairly for certain that he was on the earth for about 33 years. Fully human, just like you and me. And you might know the story about how he died, how he took our sins upon himself and made a way of life that's full of meaning and purpose and hope and relationship with God. Jesus redeemed the meaningless. And now in him there is hope. There is purpose. We have redemption. Jesus is our meaning. So because of Jesus, there's no futility for those who fear him. That's why in the sermon graphic this morning, meaningless, if we could put that up there real quick once more, meaningless turns into meaning. Meaningless becomes meaningful. Exercise wisdom, enjoy life, fear God, keep his commandments because there's much to be gained, things that last beyond death, things that have meaning, observing these in life. Death is not the end anymore. Sure, you still can't take your, your dollar bills with you to the grave. There's not much of a point in that, but that's not the end anymore, and it's because of Jesus. 
He redeemed what was meaningless and made it purposeful. He remained it he made it meaningful. He made things full of hope, full of life. It's no longer trivial and futile. Now life does have meaning. So 2024 is at the doorstep of your life. Yet another year has come and another year has gone. Does anything need to change? Maybe you've been enjoying a lot about life. You're doing well in the enjoying aspect of things, uh, whether it's with your, your well-paying job, you, you got you know, lots of fun things to, uh, to play with, you get to go on lots of cool trips and vacations, um, but it's been without regard for God and for keeping His commandments. That's a rather frivolous pursuit in life and it's gonna leave you empty endlessly wanting in other words it's kind of silly it's silly to do that maybe you've been a scholar or workaholic and if that's all that you're about that's kind of a silly way to live life too it's also meaningless apart from Jesus it is meaningless so if you don't know Jesus and you don't serve him in life or as we often put it in today's terms you you're not a Christian, you don't consider yourself that. Um, maybe you want to accept him today or explore more. I'd love to talk with you more about that. Um, if you're ready to make that decision or move towards that, if you want to find out more. Um, but if you, if you do want to decide that Jesus is the one for you, that he can redeem your life, he can redeem it. He has the power to do that offers you hope. He offers you the gift of salvation. It's a meaningful life in relationship with God. And you can just pray a quick prayer like this. Say, God, I'm sorry for the way that I've lived life up to this point. And I want life to be purposeful, to be meaningless. I need your help things have to change. Please forgive me for my sins. Jesus, be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you've prayed that, then it's an amazing day because Jesus can change everything for the better. He's able to do that. We could spend a lot of Sundays talking about just that alone. He brings meaning to where there wasn't any. And he brings light to where there was darkness. He brings healing where there was brokenness. God's able to help you in life. So that is good news. Uh, maybe you're one of those people who's just refused to enjoy life. You know, uh, you refuse to acknowledge the goodness of what God has given you. And you've not appreciated the days of living that God has provided to you. Um, whatever you've pursued in life, to close today, I want to take a few moments, uh, just in your seat, uh, to ponder in your heart which of these things uh, God is speaking to you the most about. So maybe that's one of the two points. Maybe it's something entirely different that we've talked about a little bit. Um, but especially for those two points, enjoy the gifts that God's given you and fear God and keep his commandments. Um, 
consider which of those things um, that you might need to change for 2024 and how, how will you do that? God can help you with that. So we'll take a few minutes here on the back of your bulletin. Um, you'll see a little space for sermon notes. Um, perhaps you've already been filling up some of that, but maybe you could go ahead and circle whichever one is standing out to you the most, whether it is enjoying the gifts that God's given you or to fear God and keep his commandments. And then I encourage you to hold on to that and pray to God about it uh, because he wants, he wants to help you with that. So um, after you leave too, you can you know, take it, put it on your fridge or your mirror just as a reminder of the meaning that we can experience in life because of Jesus and the blessings that God's given us. So uh, we're going to take a few minutes to do that right now in your seats. Uh, this will be our, our response, our, our uh, application time for this morning. And write down, circle whichever uh, is standing out to you and pray to God about it. I'm sure he wants to help you make those positive changes this next year. So don't go anywhere when you're done. Um, I'll come back up here and we'll dismiss and close together. Pray once more. Um, maybe it's both things, whatever it is, write that down. Have something physical. That's, that's kind of the point of that. Um, so you recognize um, what changes you need to make. And then we will close in just a moment.